The Argument for Fairness and Equal Protection Does the right to fairness and equal protection under the law dictate that if we allow the right to refuse medical treatment, we must likely allow for assisted suicide and euthanasia? One of the primary questions related to fairness relates to the difference between omission of care and an action intended to cause somebody to die. Legal precedent does allow for a distinction based on intention, but Judge Scalia pointed out the potential absurdity of such distinctions. If we might disallow a person to lock themselves into a cold storage freezer with the intention of freezing himself, why should we not also disallow a person to remain outside in the cold instead of coming inside? The risk of death might arguably be the same, and the omission of the decision to come inside ultimately produces the same result as locking oneself in a freezer. The case of Tony Bland, a young man injured at a sporting event and put into a vegetative state, came before Britain's House of Lords for consideration. His doctors sought to omit care to allow him to die, but the Lords raised questions about whether a doctor's removal of a feeding tube was, in its essence, any different from the intentional action of, say, suffocating a patient. They also asked what was to prevent parents from withholding food from an unwanted child. The argument about causation appears frequently in cases related to assisted suicide and euthanasia, but even a cursory examination of causation reveals its slipperiness. One argument for causation says that there exists a fundamental difference between ceasing treatment, letting nature take its course, as the argument goes, and providing an outside substance, such as a drug, that causes the death of a patient. Opponents of this argument point out that one might argue equal causation when a doctor removes a breathing tube. The removal itself causes death. If patients have a legal right to make the decision to refuse life-sustaining treatment, do they not also have the right to choose to end their lives? That question, posed by Richard Epstein in his book about assisted suicide, sits at the heart of the fairness arguments regarding assisted suicide. Can we, in good conscience, allow the former and not allow the latter? Many who argue against assisted suicide raise the importance of intention. When a person kicks a dog, they reveal a great deal about themselves because they intentionally injured an animal. By contrast, a person who accidentally trips over a dog reveals no such character defect beyond, perhaps, a tendency toward clumsiness. United States law, and British law before it, have a long tradition of imposing harsh punishments for the intention to commit harm. A person who plots out and commits a murder receives a heavier punishment than a person who kills only to protect themselves or a loved one. In the arena of assisted suicide, the intention to cause death by providing a lethal substance carries greater legal import than merely removing life support. We must also consider whether to draw a distinction between a doctor who provides drugs to end a patient's suffering and one who intentionally smothers or otherwise ends patients' lives without their consent. In those cases, the intention of causing harm appears to be clear. The issue of euthanasia and assisted suicide requires us to examine what we consider suicide. A legal and moral precedent exists to consider only acts where the person intends to cause his own death qualify as suicide. In other words, a soldier who throws himself on a grenade to save his comrades does not commit an act of suicide. Many proponents against legalization of assisted suicide point out the difference between a doctor who provides or administers lethal drugs to a patient and one who merely omits treatment. In the former case, the doctor intends to cause the patient's death, 
and behaves in such a way to guarantee that it occurs. In the latter, the doctor ceases treatment but has no wish to see the patient dead. The patient's death is a product of the omission, but not the goal of it. The author argues that while the issues of the right to refuse and the right to assisted suicide overlap, the issue of intention still matters. The outcome of death is foreseeable but not intended in the refusal of treatment. On the other hand, the person who provides the means of suicide